He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Welcome back to the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your co-host, Jack Heald. Welcome back, Dr. O. It's been a couple of weeks since we've talked. Thanks, Jack. Great to be back with you. And uh, congratulations on your wedding and your honeymoon. Hope you enjoyed that. I've I've been single for 17 years and I'd forgotten how much I loved being married. It's <laughs> this has nothing to do with our with the subject of the podcast. Although maybe it does. I think I think it's been uh, demonstrated uh, empirically that happily married people uh, tend to be healthier as well. So, yeah, as you know, one of the uh, you know principles behind metabolic health that I talk about is dealing with your stress. And I think, you know, having a happy marriage uh, is a positive way to do that. Um, and unfortunately, having an unhappy marriage can be a contributor to that. So I would certainly say that happy marriage and metabolic health go well together. All right. The subject of this podcast is not how a happy marriage will keep you off Dr. Ovedia's operating table, but maybe we'll, we will do that episode episode sometime today. I want to ask you about something that is uh, suddenly near and dear to my heart. I just found out literally less than an hour ago. One of my dearest friends is in the hospital with a nasty case of uh, COVID-induced pneumonia. So let's, if you don't mind, let's talk about metabolic health and COVID. How do you feel about that? Sure thing. You know, I would say from the beginning of the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, um, it was pretty clear you know, that there were certain characteristics among the patients that were getting sick uh, pretty early. And many of these things were related to metabolic health. And one of the things that I have been talking about, you know, over the past two years, and many others, you know, have been talking about as well, is how focusing on our metabolic health could help uh, in the sort of dealing with uh, COVID. And I think it would be good for us to get into some uh, details around that. Well, let's do that. Let's talk, first of all, um, what are the known risk factors in terms of metabolic health that put someone at increased risk for, a uh, let's call it an, a bad outcome if they contract COVID? And I think it's a, a, a foregone conclusion that at some point in the next few years, everybody's going to get COVID. What are the risk factors that that indicate uh, you're you're not going to have a good outcome? Yeah, so I think you know if we look at sort of the totality of the evidence that we have now, you know, basically two years into this, um, one of the patterns that emerged early and has continued on uh, throughout the pandemic is that you know the biggest risk factors for people who were getting sick from COVID, people who ended up in the hospital, people who ended up 
you know, having prolonged uh, courses due to COVID, you know, ended up on breathing machines. All, and, and ultimately, you know, the many who have ended up dying from COVID. Uh, one of the, you know, consistent findings has been that these people tend to be older. They tend to be more likely uh, to be obese, uh, more likely to have diabetes, high blood pressure, and these other conditions that we know are related to poor metabolic health. Now, unfortunately, you know, like we've talked about on this podcast, oftentimes, you know, those conditions like obesity, like high blood pressure, like diabetes, don't get tied back properly to metabolic health, the underlying root cause of these conditions. Um, But we certainly know that these are all markers for metabolic health. These are all things that, you know, come out of being metabolically unhealthy. Uh, So, you know, while unfortunately, you know, I don't think we've made that connection to the root cause of poor metabolic health as we should have, and we haven't looked at metabolic health as a sort of viable target for intervention uh, to try and, you know, minimize the effects of this pandemic, uh, it is clear from the data that we've had all along that being metabolically unhealthy uh, is a major risk factor for developing COVID and once you develop COVID for getting sick, uh, you know, and having bad outcomes related to COVID. Is there any, I, I realize I'm just throwing this question at you without any forewarning, but is there any research studies, data that um, look at outcomes for uh, metabolically healthy versus previously metabolically unhealthy individuals who contract COVID? Or are we, all, are we looking at it all? Uh, I realize this is kind of a fluid situation. Yeah. So, you know, I think we do have, uh, you know, a fair amount of published data on this. Uh, And, you know, just kind of quickly pulling up some um, articles, for instance, you know, uh, there's one case series uh, that looked at uh, 112 uh, Chinese adults um, with uh, COVID-19. And this this goes back to, uh, I believe, you know, March or February of of 2020, uh, so fairly early data, uh, and it basically showed that um, 88% of the patients who died, of those, you know, that group of patients who died uh, were overweight or obese, uh, versus only uh, 19% of those who survived uh, that were overweight or obese. Uh, okay, and, I'm sorry. Back up and and run that by me again. Yeah, nineteen percent. Nineteen percent of the patients oh, okay. who survived COVID um, were overweight, were, or, were obese overweight or obese, versus eighty eight percent of those who died. Uh, you know, in this early series of COVID patients, uh, were overweight or, or obese. Okay, uh, so, so quick question. Yep. Uh, with an N of one hundred and twelve, how reliable would you, as a physician, consider that that report to be um so you know i would say that's a pretty strong signal there you know 88 percent versus 19 percent is a is a massive difference statistically uh but you're right it is a small sample size 
Um, you know, it was just a, a select group, uh, and I don't know the details how they, you know, pick those patients to look at. Uh, so, um, you know, I wouldn't say this is some, you know, a definitive study, but I think, uh, again, it was one of the early pieces of data that came out around this. And I think what we saw, you know, when we look at the early outbreaks, if we remember back to, you know, March, February 2020, uh, when we had, you know, the initial data coming out of China and then Italy and then New York were sort of the three big epicenters. Um, similar data was seen in in all of those places uh, that the patients who were ending up in the hospital, uh, the patients who were ending up on respirators, the patients who ended up dying, um, you know, the common characteristics were, first of all, being older. And we know that uh, the you know, the incidence of poor metabolic health, the incidence of metabolic disease, metabolic syndrome increases with age. Um, and then we also the, saw I want to pause it right there and just and repeat back to you. The incidence of metabolic syndrome increases with age. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, so, so can I extrapolate from that that the older you get, the more important paying attention to your metabolic health becomes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, as you know, you know, I think metabolic health should be a focus throughout your life. Uh, but, you know, you're going to have a higher likelihood of being metabolically unhealthy the older you are. And uh, therefore, you know, it becomes, it, it, I guess it should be more of a focus uh, the older you are. Uh, okay. Although, again, you know, I would tell you it's best to focus on this early so you don't end up in that category uh, that is getting metabolically more unhealthy as we age. Sure, that I that certainly makes sense. I just, you know, since since I'm uh, on the back side of the mountain, I'm I'm interested, maybe a little more interested in these things. All right, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Let's keep going. Oh, no problem. Um, you know, and I was going to uh, follow that up with saying, that, you know, there were there were many other data points, many other studies uh, that, uh, you know, came to similar conclusions. So, you know, age, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure. Uh, these are probably, you know, the risk factors that were most apparent uh, early on in this pandemic and really have carried all the way through. You know, when you look at um, the people who are ending up in the hospital today, uh, whether or not they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, within both groups, we now have data that shows these same risk factors carry through. So the people who are vaccinated and getting breakthrough infections and getting sick from those breakthrough infections, it, those same characteristics, uh, you know, come out as risk factors. Uh, and again, you know, this mechanistically, you know, makes sense. We know that being metabolically unhealthy uh, makes you more prone to infections of all sorts of, con you know, all sorts. Uh, we also know that one of the hallmarks of poor metabolic health is that it causes chronic inflammation in the body, chronic low-grade inflammation. And so if you add an acute illness uh, especially an acute viral illness that seems to, you know, target the inflammatory systems of the body like COVID-19, 
the body's not going to, you know, sort of have capacity to deal with that. If you're already kind of inflamed and then you add something else that's going to cause more inflammation, uh, this is the sort of pattern that we're seeing of people who get, you know, people who get very sick from this disease. I want to, I want to go back because I'm the, I'm kind of the designated dummy here on this show (laughs) Um, and make sure I understood what you just said. You've probably said it before. You know how sometimes things just finally sink in. You, I thought I heard you draw an equivalency between metabolic ill health and chronic inflammation. Is, is that, did did I hear that right? And maybe a better way to ask the question is if I am metabolically unhealthy and we've defined what that is in the past, I'm going to ask you to do that again in a minute. But if I am metabolically unhealthy, then at least one of the things that means is that I have chronic inflammation. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I think that is an accurate statement. And All right, if you don't mind, please please back up again and define for us how you define metabolic health versus metabolic ill health. Right. So, you know, again, we have the five basic measures that we tend to look at. Um, you know, to determine who is metabolically healthy and who is not metabolically healthy. And those, um, you know, markers are your waist circumference, your blood pressure, your fasting blood glucose level, your HDL cholesterol, your good cholesterol level, and your triglycerides. What is when, the, what's the fasting, the fasting blood sugar? Uh, what's the, what's the boundary there between uh, the the boundary there is a uh, hundred uh, milligrams per deciliter. So you want your fasting blood glucose to be less than a hundred, and that needs to be without the use of medications. Uh, without the, without taking medications yeah, for the definition okay. of uh, without the use of glucose lowering medications uh, to meet the definition of metabolic health. Um, but what we see is that patients who are not metabolically healthy. Um, you know, people who have the metabolic syndrome uh, oftentimes have elevated markers of inflammation. Uh, the most common one that I track in my practice uh, with my patients is something called uh, C-reactive protein. Uh, right. And it's kind of a, it, it's a general inflammation marker, uh, but it has been tied very specifically to increased risk of heart disease. Patients who have an elevated CRP level uh, have an elevated risk of heart disease. Uh, but, you know, again, it's due to that inflammation that occurs, um, you know, with poor metabolic health. And there's, you know, some, uh, I would say there can be different sort of types of inflammation, different sources of that inflammation. Uh, in a lot of patients, it's within the blood vessels. Uh, that the inflammation inflammation inside the blood vessels inside the blood vessels is that is that where the uh, that's where the um the cholesterol builds up inside your your arteries and squeezes things and makes your blood pressure go up okay yeah we've that was my that was my dad okay yeah how the uh you know cholesterol is a repair mechanism for that inflammation but the inflammation can occur in the blood vessels the inflammation can occur, uh, you know, in the uh, intestines, uh, you know, infl- you know, we, 
many people are familiar with uh, sort of, uh, you know, what's called leaky gut syndrome, uh, but basically inflammation of the gut that oftentimes accompanies poor metabolic health. And that's one of the reasons that we think that, you know, the foods that we are eating are such a strong driver of of metabolic disease. Um, And then, you know, for other people, the inflammation shows up in different ways. Uh, Autoimmune conditions, uh, arthritis, uh, you know, um, irritable bowel disease uh, or inflammatory bowel diseases like ulcerative colitis. Uh, All of these things, uh, you know, are are relatable to poor metabolic health. And That's interesting. My my dad had ulcerative colitis early in his life, and I would have, up until this very moment, would have thought coincidentally, uh, his his uh, cardiologist called him a cholesterol creating machine. Maybe the two things were related. Uh, yes, there certainly uh, seems to be a relationship there. Wow. Uh, and again, those are, you know, additional risk factors. Patients with these autoimmune conditions, these inflammatory conditions, uh, are also seem to be at greater risk uh, from COVID. And, uh, you know, we can make that common link, you know, again, getting back to sort of root causes, uh, we can certainly uh, come up with the linkage there that, you know, the poor metabolic health that goes along with these autoimmune conditions uh, is also going to predispose those patients to, uh, you know, problems with COVID. All right. So I've got two questions I want to ask. I'm going to ask them both now, uh, even though they're not related, because otherwise I'll forget them. Question number one, can you please repeat the mechanism as we understand it that causes people who are metabolically unhealthy to be more susceptible to bad outcomes if they, uh, if they, uh, get COVID this. And you know what? I will remember the second question. So, (laughs) all right. Um, you know, I think there are a number of mechanisms that have been proposed. Uh, I, I don't think we know for sure. And it certainly may be a combination of these. Um, but I would say, you know, some of the basics are that, um, we know, that uh, being metabolically unhealthy, like I said, uh, causes chronic low-grade inflammation within the body. And then when we add the inflammatory insult of COVID on top of that, the body, you know, just gets overwhelmed. Uh, So this cytokine storm that, you know, people talk about around COVID, which is basically, you know, the inflammation system of the body sort of going out of control, you know, that goes along with, um, with this. Um, so I want to make sure I understand. So, so I remember, um, an online community I'm, I'm part of literally it was March, 2020 when one of the medical, uh, professionals first proposed that it was a cytokine storm that was, was going on here with COVID. So I want to make sure I'm clear metabolically unhealthy means that you've already got chronic inflammation uh covid triggers an inflammatory response because that is in fact how the body fights these kinds of pathologies pathogens however if 
if the inflammatory response is triggered in a system that's already under stress from chronic inflammation, that's where we trip over into that cytokine storm. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, Didn't mean I to interrupt you, but good. I'm I'm trying to work through all this, make sure I'm, it's making sense to me. Okay. One of the other, um, you know, kind of mechanistic things that has been uh, proposed between um, in between uh, metabolic syndrome and COVID is that the uh, ACE two receptor, uh, which is uh, the target of the virus. Uh, it, it's basically the receptor on the cell that the virus uses to get into the target cells. Um, and interestingly, and a, re- a receptor generally, as I understand it, is just a molecule that electrochemically bonds with other, other molecules based on its, uh, I think it's really its shape, but it also has to do with its uh, electrochemical charge, right? Am I right, am I right, right about that? Okay. So and, the ACE2 you, receptor is a particular molecule that bonds with particular other molecules. Correct. And, and okay. you know, I, I, the analogy that I like to use for people to think about this is it's sort of the docking station on the outside of the cell that allows, you know, in this case, the virus. Uh, in other cases, just proteins, you know, to come into the cells. Okay. Uh, so the ACE2 receptor has been shown to be one of the key points of entry for the, you know, SARS virus, the COVID-2 virus to enter cells. And we know that patients uh, who have insulin resistance and poor metabolic health have increased numbers of these uh, ACE2 receptors in many of their tissues. Uh, such oh. as in the lung, in the pancreas, other places. So that's another, you know, reason that we think that uh, patients who are in poor metabolic health, you know, may be more susceptible to COVID. Okay, you're going a little fast for me. Say that whole bit about increased ACE2 receptors again. Yeah. So we know, you know, uh, in general, and this has been looked at for other reasons, you know, before COVID, uh, we know that uh, in animal studies, as well as in human studies, uh, patients who have insulin resistance, which is one of the hallmarks of poor metabolic health, have increased numbers of uh, these ACE2 receptors on, you know, in many different tissues of the body. Huh. So, so there's something that's happening with an excess of, with, with too much insulin or not enough not enough insulin sensitivity that causes the body to respond with increased ACE2 receptors. Oh, okay. It, it, it just clicked. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Again, so ah. that, that's sort of a cellular level, uh, you know, explanation of, you know, what is likely going on uh, that, you know, causes this increased susceptibility in patients who are metabolically unhealthy. Now, is there a uh, any kind of connection between inflammation and insulin lack of insulin sensitivity? Um, yeah. Well, again, we know um, that you know patients who are metabolically unhealthy and therefore insulin resistant are more likely to be inflamed. Uh, that again, there might be a few different 
you know, ways to look at that, a few different reasons to think about that. One of the things is that we know having, you know, high levels of, of sugar in the blood, high levels of glucose in the blood uh, is inflammatory. It is damaging to oh, the blood okay. vessels. Well, that makes uh, so, sense. You know, what, that, that is uh, a relationship there. So if your insulin, if your insulin receptors are insensitive to the insulin in your system, and I may be saying this wrong, but I think I've got the basic idea, then what's going to happen is you're going to have excess sugar in your blood and excess sugar in your blood is in fact inflammatory. It, it triggers, and it, it, it's, uh, what abrasive to the, to the system. And the, the response of the system to that abrasion is, is inflammation, something like that. Yes. Okay. Yes, I think All right. So I, I'm, I, I have this, this other little light bulb that went over my, that just came on over my rather thick skull. Um, I, I was, I made some notes here at the, as we first began talking that the, the four things we know are, are, tend to be indicators for a bad outcome, assuming that you contract COVID, are age, obesity, diabetes, and high blood pressure. Not a damn thing any of us can do about age, short of dying. I mean, if you die, you won't get any older. So I guess that's one thing we could do, but frankly, I consider that one off the table. But the other three, being obese, having diabetes, having high blood pressure, those three things all indicate a if, if the presence of any, any or all of those three is highly correlated with a bad outcome if you contract COVID. And it's really easy to know if you have one or more of these situations. So obesity, I remember back to, I'm, I'm just thinking back to our earlier conversations. Uh, if you're a man, check the circumference of your belly at your, just below your belly button. Uh, just above What'd your you belly say, button. Just above your belly button. What'd you say, 40 inches? Uh, 40 inches for a man, 35 inches for a woman. Is 40 inches for there. a man, 35 inches for a woman. If it's greater than that, you've got a problem. Uh, I guess obesity. Um, and, and yes, for all of those of you who are going to say, actually, we realize these are rough numbers, but. Uh, and then diabetes, you just could do that fasting blood test thing yep. and high blood pressure, you'll literally just get your blood pressure taken. It's super easy to find out if you're at risk with any of these. I'm right, aren't I? Yes. And, you know, uh, to kind of, uh, I guess, you know, start to wrap this episode up, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest, you know, kind of regrets that i have around how you know this whole pandemic has been uh faced how this whole pandemic has been dealt with with the medical system and from our public health officials is that despite the fact that we knew those things you know that you just said uh we knew what these risk factors were right from the beginning um we haven't done enough to encourage people to try and reverse try and improve those risk factors uh you know the we could have had better messaging all along to say you know if you get yourself metabolically healthy 
if you lose your lose weight, uh, you know, eat better, deal with your high blood pressure, uh, you will lower your risk of getting this disease and getting sick from this disease. And uh, we've talked about, you know, lots of other things. Lots of other things have been proposed and and put out there to try and, you know, deal with the disease. Uh, But there has not been enough of a focus on the opportunity to improve our metabolic health. And that's one of the reasons why I think that two years into this, uh, we don't seem to be making the progress uh, that everyone, you know, would like to see, uh, you know, in terms of eliminating this pandemic. Because we still have that underlying fact that 88% of the adults in the United States and similar numbers worldwide are metabolically unhealthy and therefore are at high risk from, you know, this acute viral pandemic uh, that we're dealing with. I don't think there's a better way to uh, put a bow on this particular episode than that. This has been the Staff My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. You can follow Dr. O on Twitter at iFixHearts. You can uh, check out his website where he has a telemedicine practice at ovediaheartheath.com. I'm Jack Heald. We'll talk to you next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.